0: It was really hard to be taken seriously. I opened this place when I was 30, and it was very hard to be taken seriously, even just here locally, even in the capacity of being able to rent this spot. The original landlord who has since passed that I dealt with to get this same space, he put me through the hoops. He just didn't think I could do it, and he really let me know. It was harder than I thought it would be, and still is sometimes, but a lot of the things I've done started because someone told me I couldn't. I had multiple people tell me I couldn't open a business. That's not gonna work. How are you gonna do that? That's not gonna last. That's too risky. That's crazy. Don't give up. Stay focused on your goal. You may just not get there in the amount of time that you thought you would, or along the path that you thought you would, but don't give up on it.
1: Hi, I'm Scott Hefner, and this is Finding Your Sweet Spot. It's a show about real people with real stories of discovering that optimal space when it comes to their health and wellness, and how their core values influence their decisions concerning activity, nutrition, and self-care. My hope is that there are others who can relate in some way to these examples, and the story shared here can help those who are on their own journey to finding their sweet spot. So let's go. This day's conversation was with an entrepreneur that has been running her own health and fitness business for 15 years. And I have had the pleasure of training my clients at her facility for the past five of those years.
0: I'm Jill Stoppel-Davis. I grew up in western Kansas, Dodge City to be exact. You can ask my husband, when I met him I told him I was from D.C., I use that a lot. He thought Washington, D.C., yep. Not super small town, but somewhat small town. My high school graduating class had 250, so not the smallest, but, you know, a farming agricultural community, great place to grow up. So.
1: But her formal education, where she went to college, didn't start out in the realm of health and fitness.
0: Wildcat in the house. I went to K-State. It was a hard decision, though. I was actually um, torn between going to one of the art institutes, the one in Denver. Yeah, I came in second runner up for a full-ride scholarship to DIA. So I got on the phone with them. They put me on the phone. It was between me and they told us. We had to do some interviews, me and a kid in Leavenworth. And when it came down to it, his portfolio beat me out. So he got me back on the phone and said, what else do you want to do besides photography? I said, well, I have a big interest in graphic design, which is what I did at K-State. Well, can you send us a portfolio? I had nothing. So <laughs> so then it was kind of like, man, do I? It was a scary decision, because um, art institute is like two years straight through. I kind of still wanted a college experience. so. That's why I landed at K-State.
1: A big part of Jill's college experience included something that she had no idea would be a major influence on her for years to come.
0: I was not an athlete growing up at all. And so athletics in college, I mean, that wasn't even in consideration, but I was walking through the cafeteria my freshman year with my roommate, who was also my height, And this older gentleman came and like literally chased us through the cafeteria because we were tall.
1: She's just under six feet tall, which according to the BBC Sport Academy, is ideal for competitive women rowing teams.
0: And at that time, rowing crew was a club sport at K-State. And he was recruiting us to come out and we're like, what are you talking about? What does this mean? And he convinced us to drive out to Tuttle Creek. The dam and give rowing a try and we loved it we had so much fun we traveled with that club team um, the second semester of our freshman year I think it was and then towards the end of that season the university came in for the girls team only at a girls and boys team and said hey we need to ramp up because of title nine we are going to make rowing a varsity sport We're bringing in this coach from Harvard. We're going to put all this money. You guys are going to have like fancy. I mean, the boats are like $20,000, $30,000 a boat. We're going to buy all these boats, all this equipment. We want to grandfather you in. Are you interested? I'm like, wait a minute. We don't have to try out. They're going to grandfather us into a varsity sport. And we're going to have all the amenities that the football players have. This is crazy. Sure, I'll give it a try. So um, there we go, suddenly we're like traveling, spring breaks in Austin. Um, it was a really cool experience. It was one of the hardest things that I think I've ever done. Um, it's a year-round sport, but I met some of my, um, I met great friends, man, it was it was a wild ride. I can't say I was ever any good at it. Not terribly good, but I won the Workhorse Award and I carried the team GPA, so I, <laughs> I'm in there.
1: <laughs> And she hung in there despite some of the most brutal morning practices.
0: Because we would get out at the lake, we'd do we'd carpool and I'd pick up the other girls or whoever was driving. I mean we'd have to be out there at five, five thirty in the morning. I can't really remember. Even in February, our coach would be out there. It'd be like twenty some degrees, eighteen degrees. No. One of my roommates, Oh my god, it's twenty four degrees outside and our coach would be out there breaking the ice so we could get on the water. You'd come home with icicles hanging out on your jacket. But, um, but it was cool.
1: We went back a few years discussing the sometimes difficult experiences that led to her journey into the world of health and fitness.:
0: I did my first diet, probably it was the sixth or seventh grade at diet center, and that started this huge roller coaster of physique. I was the chubby kid in elementary school, junior high, uncoordinated, got made fun of, bullied a little bit. My high school gym teacher, who was also our drill team coach, I remember she came up to me my senior year, and she's like, she was also our PE teacher. She's like, I'm so glad you finally got a hold of your coordination to match your height. I mean, that's how bad I was. Last picked on the team, just didn't play sports. So I played a little golf, but... I just didn't play sports. I was a band nerd, I was on the drama team, Um, I did all that.
1: But then, she had an introduction to something that would change her life.
0: Probably my senior year of high school, the weightlifting bug kind of bit me. One of my mom's cousins um, was a trainer at the only health club that we had in Dodge, which I ended up working at that summer and maybe one summer during college. And so I learned a lot there. It was a you know, family-owned local health club. They had classes. Um, I worked the front desk and I helped with some classes, teaching and stuff.
1: Fast forward to after her formal schooling years, where she found herself utilizing her degree and working her first job as a graphic designer in South Florida.
0: Delray Beach. And it was this little design studio downtown.
1: But it wasn't always sunny in Delray Beach. And she got to experience firsthand what working in the corporate world can do to our bodies.
0: Went from tons of activity, rowing and walking all over campus, to sitting at a desk. And I was totally unaccustomed to doing that. And I, I had a weight gain again. So I went and joined a all-female gym and I met I guess you call her my first mentor there um, she was a trainer there and a group fitness instructor and we clicked and she was having a certification I think for step
1: as in step aerobics and this is where she dove headfirst into fitness and got busy
0: so I started teaching step for her started teaching kickboxing I taught some spinning classes down there too got back in really good shape, figured out what I was doing wrong with all this sitting that I wasn't accustomed to.
1: Things were rolling, and then...
0: I'd had it with South Florida.
1: So she looked at her options outside of Florida and ended up moving to Kansas City, where she had all sorts of prospects. No
0: job, no idea.
1: Okay, maybe not.
0: Kept job hunting. That was quite an experience because I was job hunting in graphic design and advertising when the planes hit New York, September 11th. I was in an all-day interview at the Nelson Atkins that day, and still teaching on the side. And that fell through, and everything else kind of fell apart.
1: And as scary as that time was, she didn't give up. She continued to temp in graphic design, all the while getting her personal training certification and looking for opportunities to teach fitness classes.
0: And that's when I walked into 24-Hour Fitness. They hadn't even remodeled the club yet. They were in some trailer. And I was looking to pick up a class or two.
1: Oh, but she picked up much more than that.
0: Somehow they convinced me to take the leap and helped open that club.
1: It was at this point in the conversation that I thought about what many of us have a hard time with knowing the distinction between quitting something and giving up. She was quitting her career in graphic design, but not giving up on what she truly valued in health and fitness. So she helped open the 24-Hour Fitness Club, got some good experience within the corporate structure, and like many experienced trainers who start in that setting and train for a while, looked at going out on her own.
0: I think I always had this little bit of entrepreneurial side in me, which is why I loved kind of working with my own clients at a gym. And... I bounced around. I went to a couple of studios, and I just never found quite the fit. And I was like, well, it might be kind of cool to have my own place, but nobody's quite doing it like how I would do it.
1: Jill started to figure out what that might look like. Of course, not without some trial and error.
0: I met somebody that I hired and tried to work with that I thought could help me figure out, like, how to do this the right way. It was the wrong person.
1: <laughs> so she quit that working relationship, but didn't give up on the dream of owning her own fitness studio.
0: Then I found the right person, one of my other mentors, Angela Broderick Bedell. And we spent about a year figuring out how to make this happen.
1: But even after a year of business planning and perfecting her pitch and having the credentials... It was tough getting past that initial barrier. It was really hard to be taken seriously.
0: I opened this place when I was 30 and it was very hard to be taken seriously, even just here locally, even in the capacity of being able to rent this spot. The original landlord who has since passed that I dealt with to get this same space, he put me through the hoops. He just didn't think I could do it. And he really let me know. I had to go above and beyond. I had to get different letters written that if maybe you had walked in the door, wouldn't have been necessary. And he apologized to me a couple of years later after that and said, I just, you know, you're you're so young. And I just didn't think you could do it. And we get taken advantage of all the time. And people leave us hanging. I'm like, you know, I get it. So that really sticks out.
1: And after 15 years of not giving up, even through a global pandemic, her studio is still going strong.
0: Very blessed, very lucky to have the same, a lot of the same team. A lot of people return year after year. Some people take breathers and come back. On the trainer and client side, it's been really cool.
1: We began discussing her core values. And what is her why when it comes to things like getting up at 5 a.m. to work out every day?
0: It's potentially one of my few personal times of day. It's become such a routine and um, such a way for me to tap into me time. There's a few others, too. Um, You know, as I'm aging, I have a young son definitely want to keep up with him he's super active and I need as much energy as possible to run a business and be present um, with my husband and son and family and then you know I also have a pretty strong history of breast cancer in my family and that's come more to light in the last three years three two or three years ago my mom finally had her run with breast cancer Um, it had gone through my grandmother later in life in her 70s and 80s and then she eventually passed from breast cancer and some of her family and great-grandmother so there's a definite being conscious of that could come up i'm going to be strong enough to fight that if it does um so that's definitely a concern there's also heart disease high cholesterol on that side of the family as well so yeah just making sure i don't have to fight those battles too early
1: But there is an even deeper inner drive that motivates her. One that a lot of people feel like they shouldn't admit to or just flat out won't own up to.
0: I definitely still have the vanity reason very high up. I still wanna look like I'm fit. I mean, that's still really important to me. I wanna be able to walk into my closet and put on anything I want and feel good in it and feel positive.
1: It was refreshing to hear her honesty about how it can be a strong motivator.
0: Oh, I want to look good. I mean, as good as possible. I don't I think there's no shame in that. A lot of people will sit across from me and they'll think that I want to hear that oh, I want to do it for my kids and my family and I just want to be healthy. I want to feel better. And I'm like, "No, flat out tell me you want to be able to wear the jeans that you wore before kids or like look and feel sexy again." There is nothing wrong with that being your why. And if you can tap into what that'll look and feel like, you'll show up for you. And that might be more motivating than showing up for, well, because I know I've got X, Y, and Z that runs in my family.
1: You see, it's not about having the right answer that sounds good to someone else. It's about really knowing what your why is and the core values that light that internal drive to keep going when things get tough and not giving up. So what does Jill's Healthy Sweet Spot look like?
0: I think a lot of times people ask me, like, like a lot of people in fitness or when they start the fitness journey, they like to have like a goal or like I'm training for X, Y, and Z. I don't, I haven't felt like that in a long time. I don't feel like I need to train for anything. I train for me and really how I want to look, but, and most importantly, how I want to feel. I've hit my sweet spot in the last two years.
1: (laughs) Ah, well played, Jill.
0: No, I finally have figured it out. I finally have, it's been a lot. It's been a long journey, a lot of trial and error. My sweet spot in here is not doing long workouts anymore. That doesn't make me feel good. Does it doesn't make me feel good to lift for an hour and do cardio?
1: And this is coming from her direct experiences participating in physique competitions, where she took her body to extremes with exhaustive workouts, restrictive diets, and very low body fat levels. Which, as she explained, there were positives, but just as many negatives with competing.
0: It was fun. Glad I did it. I learned a lot, and I learned a lot about nutrition and how to manipulate bodies. Um, But that led to a whole other host of issues and problems around, I mean, it's a restrictive, it's an eating disorder and way too much time working out, damaging to your hormones, to a lot of things. We may have looked healthy, but there's this lie in fitness that some of the fittest looking people aren't always the healthiest. Now I'm on more of a journey where I want both. I don't just eat whatever I want, but I eat things that I enjoy. I still drink alcohol. I still have a treat here and there. I'll eat a pizza once in a while. I go out to dinner. I've just managed to figure out how to manipulate my food so I feel good and it works for me now.
1: And figuring that out takes time. It takes commitment a sense of curiosity, wisdom through experience, and knowing the difference between when to quit what isn't serving you anymore and when to not give up on what you still value. We wrapped up our conversation with some final insights from her past experiences.
0: A lot of the things I've done that I've mentioned here on the podcast always started because someone told me I couldn't. I remember specifically who told me, oh, there's no way you could compete. You won't be able to, you won't be able to stand next to those type of girls. Um, I had multiple people tell me I couldn't open a business. That's not going to work. How are you going to do that? That's not going to last. That's too risky. That's crazy.
1: Jill shared a list of things she implemented that helped her along the way.
0: Belief in yourself. Putting yourself first. You got to jump in, but I think you got to find the right coaches or mentors planning is essential
1: and not only planning what the day might look like but also firmly incorporating what jill calls her non-negotiables
0: if you set your why what are your non-negotiables that go with your why mine is to move daily every day might not be strength i may not feel like that and so to honor my body and what it feels like and then what are my other non-negotiables eating healthy I'm on a meditation kick this year, or getting some journal time in. Getting something where I'm putting the pauses in is super important.
1: And of course, the last piece that ties it all together.
0: Don't give up. Stay focused on your goal. It may just You may just not get there in the amount of time that you thought you would, or along the path that you thought you would. But don't give up on it.
1: Finding Your Sweet Spot is written, edited, and produced by Scott Hefner. Music composition and sound design by Hefner Wellness Productions. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, please subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating or write a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It really helps people find the show and spread the word to others who may be inspired by what they hear. Check out the show notes where you can click on any of the links to learn more about Hefner Wellness, my guests, and other resources. You've been listening to Finding Your Sweet Spot.